Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, November 26th. This is episode 207. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. And you know, Tony, we don't really have a large episode. It's been Thanksgiving time. It's Black Friday time. We're coming up on Cyber Monday time. So there's not a lot of news other than a bunch of sales that we're not going to report on. So yay. Yeah, it it has been surprisingly light. Uh, with everything going on uh, compared to normal. And uh, because of weather, we we took some snowfall. So we are recording separately. So if Tony and I speak over each other more than normal, that is because we don't actually see each other talking like we typically do. But right. Tony, I guess we could turn on video and we could. No, that. I didn't plug we, in my camera. But yeah, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, no, it's. Just a little bit of snow. It wasn't a big deal, but it's supposed to be above freezing this afternoon. So I'll just wait till then to go out and clean the cars off for tomorrow. And I've been on vacation like this entire week. So I kind of oh. hope my car will even start. <laughs> so I'll okay. probably start it and run it this evening. Just I to, didn't know. So what'd you do on vacation? I played some video games. I read a couple books and I did some stuff around the house and just nothing important. This was another one of those uh, coming up on being maxed out on time. Uh, in this case, I wasn't actually coming close to being maxed out on time, but I'd done the math and I realized that between my last time I maxed out and burned some time and TPF, I needed to use three days of vacation at some point in that like three to six month period. And if I burned three days this week, I got a total of nine days off. So that's why hmm. I did. So, so I burned it now. So now I'll max my vacation time back out. Um, well, technically it would be the, I'd max back out the pay period after TPF, uh, except for going to TPF, obviously will burn some of that time. So, right. Yeah. I, I, I need to take more vacations so that I'm not riding the upper edge of being maxed out on time. But mm-hmm. I so rarely actually go anywhere or do anything. And I feel like if I'm not doing something special, taking the time for anything other than the fact that I have to is just kind of a waste. Yeah. I, I'm in a similar boat on that. So actually I have tomorrow off because I got one floating holiday prorated to me from when I started my new job. So, uh, and they don't let you use it like around Christmas. So and they're use it or lose it. So I figured, eh, I'll do it on Cyber Monday because that's when I normally do most of my Christmas purchasing. And that way I could just stay home, take care of that, and then do nothing, <clears throat> which is my way. Speaking of the holidays, and you mentioned the cars starting. I actually went and uh, changed my oil on Thanksgiving. And when we popped the hood open, apparently because I walk to work so much now, uh, a squirrel or a mouse was trying to build a nest in the uh, where the oil where the oil cap is. So there's just like this little nest that tore some of the insulation out of the car, of uh, from where the uh, you know the vents are, and had made this little nest. Oh no! Hopefully you didn't. They haven't chewed on any wires or anything. No, it didn't seem to. It didn't seem to have. It was very small amount, and we didn't see anything exposed. But anyway. I was just like, oh my gosh, guys, come on. I usually only do that twice a week, but 
there weren't any little babies or anything in the nest either. So I don't Kill know how them. long it had been abandoned, but I hadn't popped the hood in quite a while because I hadn't needed to. So I hadn't thought about it. So <laughs> anyway, uh, I, uh, I'm about 24 hours in on Starfield now. So that's okay. the game I've been just playing over this holiday period. And then uh, did a couple of uh, wristwatch YouTube live streams for my other hobby. And so Tony actually participated with me a couple of days ago. Uh, we put a panel on and we ranked over 30 watch brands. It's over two hours long. But if you if you want to know about which watch brands you should care about, and we didn't rank them off of price. So you got top tier ratings for brands that are affordable and you got top tier ratings for brands that are never at all affordable and you should just buy a house. But um, that will be linked in the show notes. So it you was, also got bottom tier ratings off of some not quite bottom tier, but second to the bottom tier ratings. Yeah. For some places that you should just go buy a house instead. Yes. And I think there was only one very bottom, bottom tier. People were too, we were, we let the audience that was live participating, watching, uh, actually vote. They were 25% of the vote. So they were, they were far too merciful. They were, I think, I think that problem. really leveled things out a lot more than if it had just been those of us on the panel. That's true, because at various points, I all three of us on the panel were, I think the word we would describe ourselves as is cruel. Yeah, that, that's a good word. We were kind of we cruel, cruel with a couple of those groups. Not nice like how we are with pinball and video games. Speaking of which, that's my segue right into pinball. Not a lot of news. This will be a shorter episode today, folks, but you all are probably enjoying the uh, watching the clock to see when you can finally not be sitting around uh, talking to your extended family. So uh, we, we won't be the main excuse, but we'll give you a little bit something to listen to as you drive away uh, back to freedom. So the first thing to note is uh, this is per Nap Arcade. I do have a link in the show notes to this article for those that want to learn more. But Dutch Pinball apparently has made an announcement, and that announcement suggests doesn't lock it in, but does suggest that 2024 will be the final year of them building the Big Lebowskis. Does that mean they're caught up with paying people back, or does that just mean that they're giving up? I do not know. I if it was in the article, I skimmed it too quickly <laughs> to have caught that part. I'm assuming though that that would suggest that they're they're finally caught up or they're going to finish building the number that they need and maybe if they're still doing the pay for thing, the thought would be my thought would be that they're going to move on to their next title to, you know, if they're still doing the every 3 or 4 that we sell, we send out a TBL. Maybe it's now every three or four of the new game that we sell, we send out a TBL. So I'm not I'm not certain on that. What I wanted to ask you, though, Tony, is do you think that this is more evidence that they are obviously that it means they're moving on, whether they're moving on to not doing anything, period, or moving on to a new game? They've been suggesting for a while that they are moving on to a new game. Do you think that they are moving on to Back to the Future, which we talked about on a prior episode? As a rumor. I mean, it's something that they could be moving on to, I guess. I am not sold that Back to the Future is the title that people necessarily want, but sure, why not? They gotta go if they're if they're moving on to something, that makes as much sense as anything else. Sure. And the reason I brought that up specifically, because it's not like you or me or anyone else has any new information from when we talked about that 
rumor, uh, what, I think on the last episode, but we did have a listener write in on that topic, so that's why I wanted to bring it up again. Sean L. wrote in, and this is what his email said as follows, which incidentally, if you want to email us, you can always do that, eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. Sean says, hey, fellas, just listening to the latest podcast where you discuss Back to the Future, and if a manufacturer doesn't have the rights to the main actors, Doc and Marty in this case, or the DeLorean, don't do it. Excuse me, but ever heard of this fringe game called Jurassic Park? Let's see. Oh, it only ranks second on the Pinside Top 100. Too much sarcasm? Which, if it is, it is likely your fault from me listening to your podcast. Point is, theme sells and lack of assets can be overcome by other factors. Granted, the other factors have to be amazing. Sean. Well, Sean, thank you very much for writing in. We very much appreciate it. What do you think about Sean's point, which, if I may summarize it, though he was pretty succinct in his email, is it doesn't really matter what assets are there. Just being able to call the game back to the future is enough. If you don't believe me, look at Jurassic Park. I think Jurassic Park is a completely different animal for the simple fact that back to the future much more than Jurassic Park is tied directly to the characters and the DeLorean as one of the primary characters, as opposed to Jurassic Park, where let's be realistic. The only real characters in Jurassic Park were the dinosaurs. The other characters were incidental. There was other stuff going on on that island that I think is how that game makes sense. Though I'll be, I'll admit, I think the theme doesn't matter. If the game's fun, the game will be good no matter what. But it just seems weird to have a game that's called Back to the Future and you don't have Doc, Marty, or the DeLorean because at that point, I can call a game Star Trek and it's just some people running on a star shaped track. And, and <laughs> I, 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 I mean, if the visuals don't matter, then the license shouldn't there should be a free license at that point (laughs) uh so but i mean jurassic park is a good game and it doesn't have any of the stars but i think it's a a a variation because the dinosaurs were the stars of those movies i mean nobody cares that chris pratt is putting his hand in somebody's face all the time because it's really all about the dinosaurs it's uh it's a good point, and I think Sean has a good point as well. Yes, uh, the fact that I I do believe that if Dutch does Back to the Future, regardless of the lack of assets that may be involved, that they will sell, and that actually doing that versus an original theme, they would sell more of the Back to the Futures. I will I will grant that. I I still would advise not to do Back to the Future. Simply because we do live in a world where they could probably, I'm not even going to say probably, they assuredly could afford another license that would give them more assets. And I think they could sell even more of a game if they've got an asset package to go along with it than going with a more popular theme where they have nothing to work with. Uh, So that'd be my first point. My second point would be Jurassic Park was not completely assetless. They, I believe, had the music. They obviously brought in uh, Nedry, uh, and you can criticize how limited his use was in the game and such, but they had those particular tie-ins. But 
My third point would be very much in line with what you've been saying, Tony. Here's the big difference to me. Jurassic Park isn't just the story of Jurassic Park, of which there are multiple stories. Crichton wrote two books in the world of Jurassic Park, but my point is it's a world of Jurassic Park. Both Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, all those movies together have created It's a world. It's a world where dinosaurs have been genetically brought back into being. What is the world of Back to the Future? It's just 1950s America. That's not a world. That's like, that's the real past. Or you want to go back to the Wild West. That's just the real past. It's without the cast that held that movie together of those particular characters interacting and doing the time travel thing. It's just America, the movie. Or in this case, the pinball. Like, what is there? No one cares about the town. Was it at that point? Couldn't you just do a movie based off what was that? Was it, was it Pleasantville? Where? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was you know that was like here generic original, but thematically it's Nickelodeon, right? It's the movies or it's the TV shows that we saw on Nickelodeon is kind of what that went with, but yeah. with like lots of racism with the thinly veiled. Uh, you know, metaphor as, as it was, it was a little, it was pretty heavy handed in terms of what it was trying to convey. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's just, I'm trying to think of like anything ever having to do with back to the future that didn't involve doc and Marty and, and such in some capacity. And I just, I can't think of anything because that's that movie's strength is not the time travel. It's the characters. And as you noted, Tony Jurassic Park's strength, isn't the characters, it's the dinosaurs. And dinosaurs are public domain. So I I think the analogy collapses under that. Uh, it would be better to try and run with a, in my view, it would have been better if you could point to another license where they basically just had the name and didn't have anything else and it did well. And it was something character driven that, that did well still. And I, you know, I'm not sure the, if that, exists or it doesn't exist but i do agree with sean that if if the game has like if it plays well if it's got other things going for it it can overcome the lack of assets absolutely because at the end of the day most collectors who buy pinball machines buy them because they enjoy playing them so it can be overcome i just don't know why you go with a license where you just you couldn't get the stuff that that's core to it and this has been the same. This isn't just a Dutch thing either. Uh, the public's had the same debate with Jaws. You know, the rumor is Stern Pinball has Jaws. And the rumor for a long time has been you can't get the rights to Richard Dreyfus or or anyone else who is key to that film franchise uh, in terms of the original movie in particular. So basically, all you can get is a killer shark, which is the video game Maneater. <laughs> which is a fun game. And if the pinball game comes out and they let you as the ball be the shark, that could be fun. I, you know, if you don't have any assets, I just don't know why you do jaws other than maybe you get some cheap, easy sales because the movie poster is your back glass and okay. Yeah. More power to them. I still don't think it's the right answer. I'd rather see something where you could get the, there's plenty of good stuff out there where you could go and, and get the rights to Though that does remind me, Tony, we did have someone, I think it was on Facebook post. Uh, no, maybe it was on Pinside. They basically hated all of our theme ideas. We were like when we were doing the the Schwartz, the Schwarzenegger and the Stallone verse, they didn't like those <laughs> ideas. They like hated all those ideas. And I, I think I mean, the I reason mean, I can see that. No, 
The only reason they could hate those ideas is they haven't actually seen Oscar to know how good oh, it would have been. Oscar was so good. They don't understand. All right, moving on to the next topic we've got. Back to Storm Pinball. Uh, Black Knight, Sword of Rage. You remember it had like the coolest topper ever? They're it, making more of them. More of the toppers. They're not making more Black Knights. Well, people are speculating. Is this a sign that they're going to make more Black Knights? What do you think, Tony? I mean, I could see that. I, I can definitely see that game is still one that could have some desire and go end up going out on the list. Uh, but I, I'm just, the fact that they're just making more of the toppers, I find really interesting because I would not have expected that um, at this point. Because how long has that topper been out for? Years oh, now. That's I mean, a pre-COVID years, topper. And I, I didn't research it ahead of time because I'm very lazy after doing this for as many years as we have. But it's like $1,000 more than when they last had it. Right. Like, like so. It's not it's not that you know affordable topper anymore. Um, I don't think they're making more of these games. I don't think there's the demand. I don't think Black Knight sold well for Stern. I think they just figure that anyone who did buy one, there's a high percentage of that populace that would want to convert into actually having the topper because the topper is so awesome. It is an so, awesome topper. So I, I don't think they're going to go back and do, but I don't, I don't think it's because Steve Ritchie isn't there anymore either. Um, I do think it'd probably be an easy license to renew. They would have to renew a license. I believe a planetary pinball controls the old Williams licenses mm -hmm. when it comes to making games. So it, even though it was once an original theme, it is actually owned by another entity that isn't stern at this point. However, the, you know, the game isn't, let me, this is, people are going to disagree with this and that's fine. The game's not very good. A lot of people were very frustrated with how the LE and premium play. I'd say the pro was received a lot better, except all of the like hardcore Black Knight fans get mad at the pro because the pro doesn't have the upper play field and they feel like that's a requirement for a Black Knight game because they just made that up after seeing two games. So I, I just don't think that there's enough interest in this title to to do that. And they probably, I think, with their new space, have the ability to run an accessory line and keep it like actually operating smoothly. And so maybe they're going back and trying to kind of take care of some of this pent-up demand. Maybe they have a lot of orders from their distributor network that they're just that sort of pending. That would make sense that they're so. just sitting on and they know that people want it. It is a cool topper, though. So It is a pretty That's, cool topper. That's, I, I don't usually praise toppers very much, but I will praise that one. It is very cool. Speaking of cool, uh, Stern has also finally launched an actual phone app for Insider Connected. So I think a lot of people have been wanting that. I know I got uh, annoyed going through Firefox or Chrome or whatever on my phone to load it. Actually, what it's, I did is I took a I took a screenshot of my QR code you know, and, and kept it, it in my phone directory. See, what I ended up doing is uh, that QR code, I was able to put it into my Google wallet, just like you do like your Hy-Vee mm. or, 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 or Hen House or Price Chopper or whatever scan cards so that I can just call up my Google wallet. And right there, the thing is to blip it. That's what I've always done. Okay. Yeah, I saved it in the, uh, in the phone directory for photos. So I, had, like, I just saved a screenshot and then I just, I just go to the little little file directory for it and load it up was what I was doing. But anyway, they have an app. Uh, it, the launch was a bit clunky, uh, not too surprising. A lot of crashes, apparently, because so many people were trying to get on. But it does sound like, from what I've read on the forums, that that has all smoothed out at this point. So 
people are able to use that app. If you're holding off uh, because uh, you heard about the crashes, I would say go ahead at this point and uh, download it and see if you can get in. It sounds like it's going to be okay. I have not done it myself, though, so I cannot confirm whether or not it's working. But that's what I heard. So I'm sharing that with you all. Speaking of heard, this is something that I heard about, uh, I think, over a week ago, and I thought it was pretty interesting. So Kineticist, um, the news site for pinball, which I have a link to this in the show notes, Mm -hmm. uh, they have basically acquired This Week in Pinball. It's now joining the Kineticist team. Well, that's an interesting uh, connection of... Yeah, I... I'm very curious. And again, the article is very, very long uh, and I go read it. Don't, I'm not going to summarize it. Well, I don't have it memorized. Uh, I mostly just knew about the acquisition and, and a few little pieces about it. I'm not quite sure how it all plays out. There is a frequently asked question section at the bottom of the article though, covering some of the main things. Now, one of the things because of the season that it is that some people uh, I guess care about is about the twippies, the awards that are tied to twip, um, those as near as I can tell are basically operating as they have been like, uh, Will Oedding, who has been running this week in pinball ever since Jeff quit running this week in pinball. I believe he is still in charge of the twippies. And so this is probably not completely accurate. Cause I think Colin with kineticist is on the committee, but the way I would summarize it is twippy is almost its own standalone thing now and not really tied to twip. That's not 100% accurate. So essentially, it's being run the same way it has been run, is is my understanding. I'm not quite sure, though, uh, what all this will ultimately mean with the sites. So, I mean, there's some discussion about like the what perks are owed for Patreon subscribers to TWIP and, and things like that. I'm just kind of curious because are we going to see like two different domains with two different styles of content are they all ultimately ultimately going to unify into one domain with one set of content i'm curious so we'll have to see how it plays out but it's pretty big news um uh, i would in the sense that like this week in pinball is kind of the to a lot of people especially people who got into the hobby more recently i think it's sort of the go-to site that a lot of people think about it again it gets weird Pinball News, the website, which has been around a lot longer, but also was a lot less frequent in terms of posting. I know a lot of the old school people really think of that as a as a primary news site. I definitely like the journalism approach that Pinball News has done. And more recently, uh, this week in Pinball has felt uh, I you know not to I don't I don't think this is a controversial take, but um, it's felt a little bit like it's been on autopilot. So yeah, I this think could that's be- pretty fair take. Okay. Well, I actually had someone, not not either of us, and I won't share who it was. I actually had someone say they started referring to this week in pinball as last week on Nap Arcade. <laughs> so basically, so uh, so maybe under the kineticist banner, uh, it can kind of uh, shake things up and be a a go to. I have to admit, I was really only turning to this week in pinball anymore. Uh, to see their deep dives on the new games. Cause I really like the format that uh, Twip takes with the photos and stuff. It's just, you, you know what I mean? Well, when we would do episodes, we'd usually go to that site to load it up. Cause it's just the summary of the information and stuff was very, very well done. Like there was a section to know who all the design team was. The photos are well laid out in their good quality. So, but outside of that, I wasn't going to the site anymore for years now. Right. So. 
Anyway, so anyway, congratulations uh, to both uh, those involved with This Week in Pinball and those involved with the Kineticist, and we look forward to seeing what happens with all of that. The final item I have, Tony, in pinball is also uh, Kineticist, and I do have a link in the show notes to this as well. But as you recall, Tony, a few episodes ago, we uh, talked about like our, our, why we like pinball, our five favorite pinball games. We, mm-hmm. we did that because Kineticist reached out to a bunch of content creators asking if we would do this because they wanted to kind of put together a sort of pinball media content creation list of what we like about pinball. Well, that's now out. So that article is up. There are lots and lots and lots of content creators that are listed. If you need ideas on content creators that you want to start consuming, I'd say start with this list and look and see which ones you don't know. And you probably get a whole bunch of ideas. It's not just podcasts. It's it's very broad. So anyway, there's the link. And uh, our our statements were in there. But of course, if you're a regular listener, you already know what our answers were. So I would say go and read that to find out about the answers of the others. Everybody's answers are so different. You know what? Maybe. But maybe not. There's a lot of Attack from Mars love out there. I'm just saying. There is a lot of Attack from Mars love out there. There's also a lot of Godzilla love out there. And I wasn't the only person who had Adam's family in their list. Thank you very much. You know what? All of y'all are wrong. But what isn't wrong is our video game segment. It's not wrong, and it's not long, but what's going on with it? It is not long at all, uh, but we are at that time of year uh, where it's getting to be award season. We already talked about the Golden Joysticks last episode uh, and and how Baldur's Gate 3 took home a record number of awards. And coming up on the 7th uh, of December is the Game Awards. Uh, which I personally think is probably the slightly larger uh, of those award shows at this point. Um, and I just thought I would ru- do a quick run through just of their game of the year nominees. Cause like everybody, they have a huge list of everything. You can go to their website and see what they have and vote uh, on what you think is best. But I find it interesting. Uh, their game of the year nominees are almost exclusively very, uh, late in the year releases. Um, so there's Alan Wake two, which came out last month, Baldur's Gate three, uh, which has been out for a while now, uh, Spider-Man two, which came out in October, as I recall, um, resident evil four remake. And I'm, I'm not sold on if I feel like a remake should be allowed to be a game of the year, but okay, why not? Well, I, I will go ahead and uh, without, Having played this this newest remake, uh, I've played I played a restored or you know an enhanced or whatever you know updated edition that Cap, Capcom used to do this all the time every mm-hmm. generation. However, what they have been doing more recently is basically almost reimagining the games. So, like I finished up uh, their remake of Resident Evil Three a couple months ago, and. Like, I don't even think the encounters are entirely the same. Like, the plot's still the same. Some of the basics are the same. But they have been basically going in and redoing the game, not just, like, here's a new skin with new graphics. So it is more than what we normally think of when we hear about a remake where it's like, oh, okay, you're going in and you're going to throw in some shadows and some, like, ray tracing and stuff. But, But it's still a fair question because... I mean, the mechanics are all different uh, on most of them, but with Resident Evil 4, it already had 
uh, fairly mobile mechanics. I'm going to guess that you can actually walk in. It's not turret mode like it <laughs> used to be. Would be my guess because they haven't done that on any of the other remakes they've been doing is sticking you into turret mode. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question, but I, I will say there is more work to it than what one might normally think when we hear the word remake, or at least what I think when I hear it. So it's more, there's more to it than just a graphics upgrade or converting it to a new engine without making any major adjustments. Right. My understanding is it's built from the ground up. Okay. Well, I can see that then. Uh, the other two are Super Mario Brothers Wonder and Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Where is Starfield? Starfield didn't make the didn't make the cut, though I believe it did make the cut for PC only. Um, what didn't make the cut for anything, and I've heard a little backlash about... Um, Gollum. Uh, no, actually, uh, Hogwarts Legacy. The Harry oh, Potter that was game. this year. This was that was real early in the year. That you was know, that only was stuff like, late in the year gets to come into this. Oh. Yeah, that game was like February or March, and it was huge at the time. It did, yeah, it did, it did huge business. But it has definitely wow. dropped way off. Uh, I did notice uh, an article the other day that was pointing out that Starfield actually has lower concurrent players than a lot of other similar style games uh, on Steam uh, than for the last month than you would think compared to other narrative-based single-player games. It's not, um, you know, I don't know if you if you follow what a lot of people say on it, but it's not, it's just not clicked with a lot of people. It's not, it's not really, I mean, it's, I'd say it's mixed. And I, I've given my kind of extensive thoughts on it a, a couple episodes ago. But if I were to summarize the public writ large, when I see them talk about it on the gaming subreddits, it's basically because of how the travel system and working from system to system in in space is, it loses the magic of exploration that we normally associate with a Bethesda game like Skyrim or, or any of the Elder Scrolls games of recent memory, and of course, Fallout. Right. So, and that is the magic that most people really wanted. And I have to admit, it, it's just, it doesn't, in some ways, it's a Bethesda game, and in some ways, it doesn't feel like a Bethesda game. And as, as, as I've remarked before, I mean, it's so, you have to essentially fast travel to do a lot of stuff. So it's just not, you know, one of your favorite things to do in Fallout. Hey, look, what's that in the distance? Let's go off and do that. It right. just doesn't. It just doesn't have that to it, and that's what people wanted. They wanted to somehow see that in space, and the way Bethesda es- executed on Starfield, it it's not there. It just that's not the approach they took. So that's what has annoyed some people. But but I mean, it's got some good quest lines and such. It just it just depends what you're after. You know, it's also kind of interesting that Diablo Four is not on this list. That's not interesting. That is easy to tell because mm-hmm. it is Diablo four. And that game uh, is not great. Uh, case in point this week, uh, the game is free, like all week on steam. There's a free mm. trial for like the entire week. Uh, so that'll probably be almost over by the time most people listen to this episode. But uh, it's out there if you want to try it. Um, it is definitely not the most great game. It's just not. 
So the okay. I, I have no surprise that it has such a major uh, drop off. Uh, I know I regret the purchase of Diablo and I've not played it since like June and I, I, I have been extremely happy with my purchase of Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, I've played a fair chunk of it during this whole time on vacation. Uh, and then uh, I also played some of my old standby games this time as well. So, Well, that's because the EGP Discord pressured you into getting Baldur's Gate. And I thank them for that pressure because I made the right choice. So now the question is, which of these titles do you think is the most likely to hit the top? Well, the I mean, the right answer is going to be Baldur's Gate 3, given what we saw of the Golden Joysticks. So that's that's the one that I think ends up taking it. I think you're right. I, I definitely think you're right. But I, if, you, we if, could be, if you want my second pick, it would be uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, I, the surprise on this list for me is Alan Wake 2 being on this list. Uh, I really enjoyed the first Alan Wake game. Uh, I just didn't expect Alan Wake to to uh be so high on the list i'm a little surprised as well because it's not like i can't order it for console yet so i don't think it wins i don't think enough people have played it yeah uh i mean the the top three in my in my view would be Baldur's gate three uh tears of the kingdom and then spider-man 2 i think those are the three that are in true contention i think a lot of people won't vote resident evil 4 uh, not so much that that because it's a remake, but rather I just don't think it has the player base. Uh, Mario Brothers Wonder, I've heard very good things about, but I think next to Zelda, it's not gonna, it's gonna, I don't think it's gonna hold up mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of the voting. Uh, we know Spider Man when it first came out for for Sony, it did very very well. So Spider Man Two, again, the response has been great to it. Um, I just, I normally I would think Tears of the Kingdom wins. Uh, the only reason I don't pick it is because of what we saw Baldur's Gate do at the prior awards. And it's just, it's resonating so well. Normally I think this is Nintendo's to lose, but, uh, but I do think Baldur's Gate will continue its streak of winning all the important stuff. I I think you're right. I think it is a fight between tears of the kingdom and Baldur's Gate. I don't think anything else on this list is this comes near the top as those two. So we'll be, we'll find out on the seventh. If the people agree with us. So. Yes, it's a uh, the game awards is interesting, not really for the awards, but rather all the. Tra- in fact, it's just a big trailer show. So yeah, it's it, it's a bunch of trailers, and I mean, for the last couple of years, they've had some serious drama. Uh. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, so. yeah. P- Pinball doesn't have a monopoly on drama, folks. No, it does not. Uh, while we're speaking about Baldur's Gate, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is getting a deluxe physical edition for $80 uh, that is already being scalped for $200 plus on eBay. Uh, but Laren uh, went ahead and put out a notification that the, the physical edition is not a limited edition, uh, and they've got a whole bunch of ship dates coming quarter one of next year. So don't pay scalper prices for it. There's more coming. <laughs> Well, I'm glad they got the announcement out. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, the game I've been heavily looking forward to, uh, Warhammer 40K Space Marine 2, has been delayed to the second half of next year. 
to properly polish the game. So we're looking at a full year uh, pushback on that game because that game was due out in uh, December originally uh, of wow. this year. Will there be blood for the blood god? There may be. There might even be skulls for the skull throne. We'll just have to mm. see how it turns out for them. I liked the first one. It was fun. I did too. I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, in the making me feel older than I already feel category, Half Life turned twenty five this year. Yeah, it can rent a car. <laughs> it can. But what's interesting is Valve put out a special anniversary update, adding new content, um, restoring some old content, and actually doing bug fixes in the wow. game. <laughs> I didn't know they remembered how to program. I, I, I didn't either. I, I was kind of shocked. I'm figuring they probably outsourced it to another company uh, to do it. But, yeah, no, I, I was... I, I was surprised when I saw that they'd actually done updates to it. So, uh, but Half-Life was, I mean, that game was amazing at the time. So, uh, and while we're talking about Valve, uh, head of Valve, Gabe Newell, uh, in there's been an ongoing uh, class action lawsuit against Valve, um, an antitrust suit. Uh, claiming that their 30% commission has is bad for the industry and bad for uh, uh, players, and, and they're just bad and they're a monopoly. Um, and Gabe Newell uh, has been ordered to attend a disposition in person. He was trying to get a waiver to attend it virtually, uh, and the court has denied that. I, I find this one interesting. I've not paid a lot of attention uh, to this ongoing lawsuit because it seems like it's one of those suits that is going to be quickly uh, removed because there's just so many places online like Steam that you can get games. It seems weird to call the to call them a monopoly. It's it would be like saying Pizza Hut's a monopoly. Yeah, I I mean I I guess. I, I sort of get where they would be coming from in that it, it is a huge share of the PC purchasing market, but but it's not the only option out there. It's People have turned to it for convenience sake, but Epic Game Store obviously has tried to cut into that space. So I, I just don't see how, unless there's price fixing or something, which I don't believe is a part of the lawsuit. No. I just don't. I don't really see. Um, I don't really see how it could be won, but I'm not a lawyer. So, right. I no, know. I think the big target of their suit is, I mean, like they made special mention about, uh, valves 30% commission and Epic has a lower commission that that's part of their deal. But I mean, there's GOG, there's IO, uh, IO games. There's, there's a bunch of other sites out there and most of them pull the same 30% commission. So, yeah, it's just it's not like Apple not letting you get a phone game other than through the Apple iPhone store. It's not like you there's nothing that limits you that says you have to install games through Steam. So right. that's where I just don't think it can I just don't see how it holds up, but we'll find out. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um 
also a couple other little things. Um, the Overwatch League is dead and gone. That was voted on uh, to withdraw from its existence in its current form. Um, we used to talk about Overwatch League all the time. We used to watch Overwatch League all the time back pre-COVID. Uh, but it, it, they have definitely fallen off since uh, COVID, and especially since the switch to Overwatch 2. Uh, I don't think I've actually watched it a single time since the switch to Overwatch 2. Uh, but they are they, they have voted the teams to disband and end. Uh, which is interesting because each team is going to receive a termination fee of $6 million. Uh, so, uh, congratulations. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Um, obviously, it's for the best for the teams. They just were not. They were not making money. Um, and it's a, I would say... It's a mix of things. Uh, yeah, I haven't really paid attention the last couple of seasons. Uh, I'd put it on in the background on my computer just to earn Overwatch coins, but I wouldn't actually watch it. So, like, I didn't even watch the tournaments. So, it's just um, it, my my theory. Uh, you know, there is, and there's so many different things you can blame. The pandemic obviously threw a huge, huge curveball at what they wanted to do. It did. What's very bold. And that was to basically set up esports like the NFL or the NBA, actually having cities with with teams. Uh, and the idea was for there to be home games and and do all that because I remember like when it was early on, we were looking like, hey, is there going to be one of those like is Dallas had a team? Is there going to be one like during TPF that one could go and you know watch and and participate in because it could be a lot of fun um, and. The first couple of years when we watched was they had it live. They had it. Uh, they were always out, well, almost always out in California, but they had them live. They had a live audience. People would bring signs. There was a lot of energy and a lot of atmosphere to it, which just made it a really fun viewing experience. Like they, you know, they had a desk, you had commentary, you had all that sort of stuff. So the plan to do the live home team stuff fell apart because of the pandemic. So that was one curveball. Another curveball was because of the decision to do Overwatch 2, they quit putting out content for Overwatch 1 and the game stagnated and that meant the league stagnated. And the turning point I still watched during this was Goats. The Goats meta. Oh yeah, it was so bad. 3 tank, 3 support, no one playing damage dealers. That's what Goats was. And it went on almost the entire season. Because uh, ostensibly, the programmers at Blizzard were busy working on Overwatch 2, not coming up with new content and balance and taking care of stuff in Overwatch 1. So the game stagnated. And basically, the regular players like Tony and me were experiencing, not to the same degree because we weren't at the same level, but that stagnation was true for the regular players too. So the game started to stagnate. This was a game that like one after its first year, best, like it wasn't No Man's Sky. This was best living game. And then they quit letting it live and it just sort of languished. And so it bled, it bled audiences. And um, so that was a problem. And then by the time they made the jump to Overwatch 2, not enough stuff changed. Like they do a lot better about balancing. They do a lot better about keeping it updated. It's now a living game again. But 
well, this wasn't any fault of the league. They launched Overwatch 2, and the whole point we were told about Overwatch 2 was for PvE. And then they never did player versus enemy. They're never they never turned out the single player campaigns that were the in theory the whole reason why we needed to do this upgrade. Now, the problem with that wasn't that it directly impacted the league per se, other than when they changed Overwatch 2, they went down from six six person games to five persons per team. And that dramatically shook up how the teams were balanced. But long story short, there was this huge surge in interest in Overwatch 2. People came back into the game. New players started playing the game. And then a lot of people, when they saw there wasn't PvE, quickly left because that's what they wanted to do. They didn't want to deal with a bunch of sweaty tryhards. And then they decided that that stuff wasn't coming out at all. So that just really upset a lot of people. I think the game is in a lot better place than it was in the latter half, like yeah, the latter half of the Overwatch One era. But that wasn't going to save the league, and they never could establish that that home game presence. And the interest was it was no longer hot anymore because the game languished when they were making the transition from Overwatch One to Overwatch Two. I mean, it, folks don't folks that didn't play Overwatch don't know this. Uh, necessarily it took years it was years later than it was supposed to to jump to overwatch 2 so they just mismanaged the game and the league paid the price that's why i think so those are all the curveballs but yeah i and i think you're right i think that's exactly what ended up happening i think it was a great idea or an interesting idea at the bare minimum that had some chances to succeed and then with everything that happened as you said uh it failed ultimately. And in truth, I don't know that we see another attempt to do something with a physical basis like this again. I'm assuming most games going forward are going to continue with their current um, setup where there's esports teams, but they're not geographically tied. Uh, and people just have their favorite team and there will be occasional in-person tournaments that people can attend or stream uh, as that works for them. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, I I do think it may be possible if they do what was meant to just be sort of the transitory early period, the first two year period, but do that as the model where it's like, okay, there's a league. We're going to take a big place like Texas or California and there'll be the blizzard arena or whatever the game is, you know, the, you know, the EA arena and all the stuff takes place there. And so you can have a live audience, you bring the people in, you, you know, you have the merch and all of that and you have the teams they're not oriented by cities. It's just, this is the place and, and there are, there it will be live venued for land purposes and all the rest that might work coupled with, when teams are established, you don't say, "Oh, it's ten million dollars to buy in." Oh, and except uh, after the first year, then it's twenty. Right? They just they charged a whole ton of money because they thought there was going to be all this money made on ticket sales and stuff for these teams, and it just never worked out. But had they kept it in one location, yes, the pandemic still would have been a problem in the case of of Overwatch. But had they just kept the one arena and kept doing it like that, that I think they could have done. And, and kept going and it would have made a lot of sense but once it went online to play during the pandemic the entire crowd spirit is gone because now it's just like watching twitch so that sucked and then the teams that they made they didn't even 
because of this desperation to get the stuff just going, they started doing things that made no sense. They put New York in the Pacific region. Like they're playing the <laughs> yeah. they're playing the Koreans and in a time like I that's that's probably the turning point where I quit actively watching because I followed the New York Excelsior. That was the team I I followed, and once they put them in the Pacific region and they're playing like at six p.m. South Korean time, I could no longer watch. Well, and it, so, and it wasn't even just that. I mean, because they eventually ended up with pretty much the majority of the teams were based in South Korea. Uh, so almost all of the play times ended up being at weird times. And another curveball I didn't mention, but but probably deserves it, is uh, China made some changes, which basically took out their teams. So. Yeah, China has made some major adjustments to what so is allowed. that really, I mean, that just that caused a lot of disruption because there was a balance that was uh, that relied on, and there were two, uh, no, three, I think, uh, Chinese te- teams, right? Right. Or were there four? There's there was at least the Spark, three: the Dragons, uh, the Charge. Those are the three that that pop yeah. in my head. So I would say there were so, three in season one, and I they might have added another one in season two. Or it was two in season one. They might have added another one or two in season three. It gets confusing because there were teams that would be like like New York or London, and then they would be full of South Korean players. Right. So you couldn't just go like if you think of the players, and all of a sudden you're like, well, that player's Korean. It's like, yeah, well, there were American teams, American on paper, that built their entire squad out of Koreans. So right because you you had you had to address language issues if you started to mix. Because some would try, and they, I mean, it was it was interesting to see in the early years because there were there were teams where they're just like we have a lot of trouble communicating because we don't speak the same language. It's like, uh, yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> but anyway, gone but not forgotten no. until next year, and then maybe forgotten, and then maybe. Well, I mean, I still have some of my Spitfire stuff. I know my my daughter still has her uh, Valiant stuff. So the first two years were really fun. They, they were, were a was lot really fun. of fun. I, I mean, fun. I quite enjoyed the first two years. So, but uh, the only other things I have is uh, we were mentioned a number of episodes ago uh, that the creator of Bayonetta Hideki Kamiya had left the publishing studio and had started a YouTube channel where he put up a question and Q and a videos. And he put up a new one that had some interesting things, uh, come out of it. Uh, specifically he said that, uh, in his mind, Bayonetta would have been a total of nine games, uh, to have the whole saga, uh, that, was in his head, but that's not going to happen, obviously, because he doesn't own the Bayonetta IP. So uh, he, he it's not going to end up the way he had it envisioned in his head. And he also got a lot of questions about working with some of the other big-name uh, personalities uh, in gaming, and his answer was that it doesn't work like in Dragon Ball, where Goku fuses with other characters. Two people with completely different personalities and ideas would clash. There's no way you'd get a decent game out of that. So he's, he's probably right about that. I, I think he's right. Uh, like, there's no way. I have a hard time seeing Kojima working as an equal with anybody, uh, 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 no matter how good they are. So, I mean, to to see somebody like 
Kamiya and, and, and Kojima working together, I think it would just be just the most terrible game because I don't think either of them would be able to work together. So, yeah, it, it reminds me of, um, and, and it's real. I, I get it. Cause people will be like, wow, let's, you know, like building a dream team. And people think about the, the dream team and it'll be like, you're going to put all this together. And like with, with actors, oh, wouldn't it be great to have an action movie with all the top action star and all that sort of stuff. And it's just like the thing that, I, that people forget about, uh, and probably even more so in video games than they would in something like acting is that the, the issue of ego and where that right. actually comes into play. And sometimes maybe people th- don't think it's an issue because they don't on whatever they're talking about. They don't have ego coming into play. But what this reminds me of is um, on one of the Fast and the Furious movies. I don't know which because, you know, there there's there are more of those than there are planned Bayonetta uh, <laughs> games. So apparently, but uh, reading about like one of the challenges they had with uh, Dwayne, the Rock Johnson being in with uh, Vin Diesel and they were. Like their people, their reps were going in and when they have like fight scenes and stuff, they throw and land the same number of punches and everything because they worry about damaging each other's brand. So one can't be better than the other on screen. And yeah, it's just, you run into those issues. It's like, oh, well, you can't, this part, he can't lose a fight. Yeah. So then you get those fun. Oh, look, it's a draw. <laughs> and everyone's just like, no one's actually excited about seeing what they thought they would see. Right. <sighs> so it's like, it's like if you do alien versus predator and they, you know, they both are like, even it's like, no, that's not what people want. We want to see one crush the other one. We want to see the complete destruction. Well, uh, I think one of those that actually uh, has worked out. Okay. Ish has been like the expendables movies, but at the same time, when you look at those movies, a lot of those characters get very little screen time. Uh, right. Yeah. It's a, a big ensemble cast and, and which film it is, uh, you know, they have to mix things up on, but again, even with, even with Ex- expendables, the in expendables three, the reason why Harrison Ford is in that and not Bruce Willis is like, I, if I remember correctly, Sylvester Stallone offered Bruce Willis like $3 million to do two days of filming and Bruce at, demanded five. And and Sly said it's you're you're going way too far. This is basically no work for you. Yeah. And Bruce is like it's five. And then he's like you're out. I'm bringing Harrison. Chris, I was also so probably e- around e- when Ego Willis even came in. Then yeah, that was probably around when Willis was starting to just gather up as much money as possible because he knew. Sure. No, I I mean especially on retrospect, in. we 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 may understand his motivation, but. His right. logic was still grounded in ego of I'm Bruce Willis. I get 5 million and Stallone's like, you're not like, this is like an Adam Sandler movie for you. You're basically, <laughs> we're all just going on vacation and I'm overpaying all of you. Cause you're my friends sort of thing. Um, Adam Sandler makes a new movie. Every time a friend needs money. Mm-hmm. Sure. But then I, and, and even we're looking at the, as fun as the expendables are, you notice like there's never a ton of screen time with Stallone and Schwarzenegger together. They, they don't Schwarzenegger's barely in those movies. So right. Again, uh, maybe that's a money thing. Maybe it's an ego thing. They obviously had a very famous feud in the eighties in particular um, over the roles they would get and such. Whereas, you know, Stallone and Jason Statham never had that sort of conflict. So they may just get along better because they, they weren't really 
like their Venn diagram didn't uh, cross each other's line very much. So, like, or same with Jet Li. Like he, Jet Li and Stallone weren't going for the same roles. So right. they're just, just or Antonio Banderas, to- totally different style of of movie when he even did an action movie. So yeah, it's just it's interesting, but uh, but it's it's fun when it can work out. And I think what people think of is like remember, or even though you don't remember, you you and your subconscious remember. The, the quote-unquote dream team basketball for the Olympics and how that kind of worked. And so everyone's just kind of like, that's what we'll just put the best of the best on everything and it will work. And it just – and we even saw it in Overwatch League. They would gather up – there were teams that would use their money and they would gather up all these top players and these players were hot dog and solo folks. And they they <laughs> did not do teamwork. And when they started to lose, they would be like, I got to clutch and put the team on my back. And so you had six people all trying to put the team on their back doing their own thing. And it worked as great as it just sounded. That's very true. So. But that's what I've but got. Anyway. Okay, well, uh, folks, again, I mentioned it before, but if you want to reach out to us, you can email us at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. We're also available at facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. If you want to support the show even further than listening, you can join our Patreon. We have a tier as low as a dollar a month, and that is at patreon.com slash eclectic underscore gamers. We're available on Twitch and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with all the latest in video games and pinball. But until then, my name is Dennis. And I'm Tony. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.